All right, Howlers, let's get howling. But first, a couple quick warnings. First warning, this podcast contains adult content. Don't be a pixie. Second warning, this podcast contains spoilers for the entire Red Rising saga. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Etsy. Email us, howlerpod at gmail.com. Visit us at howlerpod.com and rate and review us five stars only if you don't give us five stars only then we will cut you down in the bleeding place and yell my honor <laughs> remains and now howlerpod oh. my heart was my brother and i no longer believe in a world that says he was too weak to deserve life He would have believed in this, in this hope for something new. For Julian, I can believe that too. Hello, Howlers. Welcome to HowlerPod, the one and only podcast for all things Red Rising, where every episode we dive deep to break down, celebrate, and discuss all aspects of the fantastic Red Rising saga by Howler number one, Pierce Brown. Yas Queen. I am your host, Ben Reinert. I am joined today, as always, by the amazing Aaron Harris. Hello, Howlers. You guys might have noticed that <laughs> that was Cassius's voice. <laughs> we actually got Cassius Avellona <laughs> to call in, and we're going to sprinkle his voice throughout this episode, and we're so fucking excited. Get excited. And by Cassius, I mean Nick. <laughs> <laughs> from england who should be voicing cassius apparently because these are amazing and we're just screaming over here they're so good you're you guys are gonna be blessed you're welcome <laughs> all right so of course it's character study time who will enter the passage tonight the passage of our in-depth scrutiny and judgment will they rise above the rest and be crowned prime or will they fall short and be disgraced henceforth as a pixie. Who are we studying today? Cassius Abalona. Wow. Here we are. It's the Cassius episode. <laughs> ben brought his own whiskey over because he needed special Cassius whiskey. Um, yeah, I mean, we have to celebrate Cassius the right way. The energy in here is just <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> it's making me uncomfortable. All right, let's load up the star shell and shoot straight into our character backgrounds. Hopefully we don't shit off suits. Cassius Abalona is a gold, a peerless scarred, and the former morning knight of the society. He's the son of Tiberius and Julia, and brother to Julian and Carnus and a few other assorted Bolognas. Julian and Cassius were fraternal twins and shared a very close relationship, with Cassius acting as Julian's protector for most of their lives. Cassius was also the favorite son of the family, while Carnus acted as the muscle, doing any dirty deeds that need to be done, like peeing on people. He's a peer. <laughs> He's a peer. It's important to keep a full bladder when like you're expected to pee on people <laughs> it's so true that's an, a burden that he had to carry was just always having to pee. <laughs> that's true if i was like about to go beat up daryl i'd probably pee first me too but i typically like <laughs> use the restroom before i go into battle <laughs> it's just part of my prep right so cassius he's just over two meters tall which is about six and a half feet and he's described as a perfect gold he has golden curly hair and golden eyes. 
He's very handsome and has a strong body due to all his training. Daryl first describes him as having a wide and white smile with smooth and lustrous skin. (laughs) (laughs) Daryl. Seems like you like Cassius. (laughs) Um, Cassius is also described as so pretty that he's ugly with hair that is thick and lustrous. So pretty or ugly? (laughs) That sucks, dude. He's got a cleft chin, also known as a butt chin. (laughs) And um, he has steady hands with powerful shoulders, and it makes him made for war and a face made for the hearts of court. Wow. He's also a razor master who spent time training with Aja in the Willow Way and is one of the best duelists in the entire solar system. Naturally talented and clever, Cassius is good at just about everything he does. But because of this and his devastating good looks and gold origin, he becomes arrogant and vain. At times, it seems like he couldn't care less about his actions. He makes friends with Darrow, but has different sides to him at different events in the story. He cares for Darrow at the beginning, and they are good friends. But when he finds out that he killed Julian during the passage, he is filled with wrath and only seeks vengeance for his brother's death. He values honor and family above all else. Despite his arrogance and later on his bitterness, he cares greatly for those he's close to, including Darrow and Lysander, as he has shown several times throughout the books, a trait that he likely shared with Julian. Okay, so let's just quickly recap Cassius's story mm-hmm. as told by Pierce Brown. So we meet Cassius when he meets Darrow at the Institute, where they're both drafted to House Mars. They become as close as brothers, and they're hanging out until Cassius finds out about Darrow killing Julian, and then Cassius stabs Darrow and Mm -hmm. leaves him for dead. And then he also declares a blood feud. That takes us to Golden Sun, where Cassius and Mustang are dating. Ooh, drama. (laughs) And then Darrow challenges Cassius to a duel at the Gala Gala. This sparks a civil war between House Augustus, House Loon, and House Bologna. Cassius defends Mars against the lion's reign. His whole family, except for his mom, basically, is murdered on Mars during the lion's reign. And he's under the impression that this was Darrow's doing, but it was actually Octavia. Uh, And then at the end of the book, Cassius kills Fitchner prior to Darrow's triumph, and he's part of the group that ends up betraying Darrow at his triumph. Okay, then Cassius is captured on the ice by Darrow and taken prisoner. Um, He and Darrow hang out and drink whiskey, and then they kind of warm up to each other a little. Darrow gives him a hollow cube, showing the real story behind the family's murder. So then Cassius ultimately decides to switch sides because now he hates Octavia for killing his whole family. Um, And he allows Darrow to pull off this super secret plan to infiltrate the Sovereign's bunker and to ultimately kill um, Octavia and Aja. And then Cassius is responsible for sparing Lysander's life and he agrees to take him as a ward. So now that's biting us in the ass. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, he vow- Cassius goes on to vow to protect the innocent and spends the next 10 years with Lysander kind of out in wild space, hanging out, protecting those people who need it. Um, and then ultimately Cassius and Lysander are captured by the Raws and they figure out that who Cassius actually is and they end up holding him responsible for the murder of multiple Raw family members that were attending Darrow's triumph, kind of by chance. 
Cassius is forced to duel over and over again for his life. He survives, but is grie- grievously wounded in the process. Lysander's um, told he's died. He's died, but actually, Cassius secretly lives, and he was ferried off to Europa by Diomedes, where he eventually escapes and makes his way back to the core, hooking up with the Telemonicists, who send him on a mission to save Darrow on Mercury. Wow, big save! Brooding again. <laughs> <laughs> Ben just like tipped his hat <laughs> brooding again. And here we are. <laughs> so exciting. All right, let's go on to historical connections from Heather. Let's do it, Heather. Heather says, of the multitude of Red Rising characters, Cassius Abalona has some of the strongest links to the ancient world. First off, the name Cassius is likely derived from the Latin Cassus, meaning hollow or empty. When readers first meet Cassius, he certainly gives off shallow, arrogant vibes, but in rereading, it's clear he's just trying to be what others expect of him. In reality, Cassius has always been searching for meaningful relationships, as gleaned through his original connections with Darrow and Mustang, but the people he's drawn to are complex. Their manipulation and deceit continually leave Cassius feeling hollow inside. Cassius could also come from the perfect passive participle, Cassus, Latin for to have fallen. Once a bright star in golden society, Cassius suffers repeated demotions from the heights of greatness he originally represented in Red Rising, trampled first by Darrow, then by Augustus, and then the sovereign alike. Meanwhile, Bologna is the name for the Roman goddess of war, having come from the Latin belare, meaning to fight. On repeated occasions, we hear Cassius emphasize that he was made for combat, believing himself confined to such violence and loss throughout life. However, in Morningstar, when Darrow challenges Cassius to fight for a world in which strength is not the sole measure of worth, Cassius finally embraces the chance to become something beyond war for the sake of self-aggrandizement. Rhetorically speaking, this is when Cassius makes a new name for himself. While his allegiances have waffled throughout the series, Cassius consistently strives to align his actions with what he believes to be right. After Darrow's deception regarding Julian in the passage, Cassius couldn't help but find Darrow immoral, willing to go to any length to seize power. That disdain segued into the blood feud that enabled Darrow to instigate civil war between Augustus and Bologna, a course of events which echoes the adversarial dynamic between the revolutionary Julius Caesar, to whom Darrow is frequently compared, Gaius Cassius Longinus, patrician defender of Rome's current world order. Because Caesar's military conquests in Gaul far outshone its members, the Roman Senate grew weary of Caesar's ambition. Instead of rewarding his outstanding achievements on behalf of the Republic, people in power stripped Caesar of his army and demanded he return to Rome, where he would be dubbed an enemy of the state. Backed into a corner, much like Darrow was at the beginning of Golden Sun, Caesar chose to change the paradigm rather than submit, crossing the Rubicon with the full force of his 13th legion, thereby declaring civil war in Rome. Like Gaius Cassius Longinus, Cassius Albalona attempts to assassinate his enemy first in the Institute, then at the Gala, Gala Gala, and finally during <laughs> the Civil War. 
Similarly, Brutus and Cassius continued trying to salvage the Roman Republic from the potential tyranny of Caesar for five whole years before successfully killing him. Obviously, Cassius Abalona differs from Cassius Longinus in that he ultimately switched sides to truly fight for Darrow. However, after the murder of Julius Caesar, Brutus and Cassius, the chief conspirators behind all of the violence, were deeply remorseful. Caesar was unique in that he forgave his enemies. Sulla, the only other Roman general to violate the Republic's constitution by marching on Rome itself for political gain, prescribed thousands of enemies and millions to death upon declaring himself dictator for life. He ruled with an iron fist while lining the pockets of his supporters with the opulence of murdered foes. By stark contrast, Julius Caesar allowed for second chances. Shortly after his assassination, Caesar Octavian rose to prominence, exhibiting none of his great uncle's classic forgiveness. Soon the Roman Republic crumbled and Octavian pulled the military and political strings to crown himself the first emperor of Rome. Clearly then, Brutus and Cassius failed horribly in their attempts to save the Republic, and no one knows what could have been had the more humane Caesar been permitted to guide the Republic towards a more pragmatic and progressive future. Surely there would have been new trials similar to those that plagued the Solar Republic, but the historic Cassius made the mistake of believing Rome's current system of government could only thrive while static. Cassius Avalona could have easily followed that path of inflexibility, but he took a hard look at the society's flaws and instead recognized the need for dynamism. Even after losing his entire family, Cassius risked it all to realize Eo's dream. This integrity, along with his dimpled chin, is why we love him so much. <laughs> Especially the latter. <laughs> it's all about the chin, baby. Thanks, Heather. <laughs> that was fantastic, Heather. That was a doozy. All right, let's move on to our legacy section. Um, I think Cassius might just leave one. <laughs> I think so. There's a lot to talk about here. What I'm interested in is I know a lot of people like know what I think about Cassius, obviously. And what's that? That he's fantastic. What do you think about Cassius? I think I and most people also think he's fantastic. You're really on that train as well? I mean, the only reason I'm not is because you like him and I like to hate the things you like. <laughs> But uh, <laughs> no, obviously, like the minute I picked up Dark Age, I control F Cassius to make sure he was in the book. Right. And then I started reading. Did it. you always like him? Um, Not when he stabbed Darrow. No. Even though I saw his side, obviously, because his twin brother was murdered, which right. is like probably even worse than like a normal brother being murdered. I think obviously he showed growth and he shows considerable depth knowing that like obviously daryl had to kill julian and julian was a sweet little bird that shouldn't have been there in the first place right so that's you know yeah there was larger things at work there for sure right anyways so that's when i was torn but when he came back <laughs> at the end of dark what do you think you were do you remember where you were prior to the second trilogy like after he turned back in morning star but before we got him in Iron Gold and before he came back and saved the day in Dark Age, do you remember where you're at then? With I was trying to think about that the other night. With like liking him? Yeah. Well, I 
since Pierce had tricked us before, mm-hmm. I really didn't believe the whole Severo th- trick. Okay. So I was like, Cassius wouldn't do that. <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, and I was only like looking out for it because, you know, he kept acting like people were dead. Right. So you were on to that. Yeah. You I, were on to that. I mean, you know, in hindsight, of course, I'm like, I knew it. But, <laughs> right. you know, I didn't. Like, you were skeptical. I didn't like know. Through. I think I was, too. Um, but I it got me pretty good still. I was like upset. You didn't like throw the book out the window, though. No, I was like, I still need to keep going because there was a couple of things that there was a couple of hints in there. And we talked about those in our morning po- uh, Morningstar podcast. But I think that's a good it's a good thing to talk about because I do think Cassius legacy changes a lot between first trilogy Cassius into second trilogy Cassius. For sure. Because even at the end of first trilogy, Cassius still isn't like 100 percent on board. Like, obviously, he wants revenge for his family. He wants to get rid of Octavia. Um, But I don't know that he necessarily knows his path. And clearly it's not with Darrow because he doesn't go with Darrow Mm -hmm. at the end of Morningstar. Yep. That was one thing I was really sad about it. Uh, The originally reading Morningstar was I loved Cassius making the turn back to the good guys. But then the fact that he didn't want to stay with them, I was like, oh, damn. He's like, just hang out a little bit. (laughs) I just want you to hang, bro. But there's too much hurt there, especially with um, Julian and also with Fitchner's death. Like, that's right. a big, you know, <laughs> pat on the back for Severo, too, to, like, go <laughs> along with the whole Cassius right. fakery. Yeah, and in the original trilogy, I think what's great about Cassius is he serves as, like, a really great counter to Darrow, especially early on. He kind of shows us simultaneously what's so repulsive about gold, but at the same time so alluring and so admirable about gold because he's, like, this super hot, talented dude who's funny and he's smart and he's good at everything he does and that's like that's just the embodiment of gold for sure and daryl wants to hate him but he's like gets to know him and he can't (laughs) he's just too charming i know (laughs) he can't help but be friends with him and the unfortunate thing is he also can't help but make cassius into collateral damage on the way to the top he makes a lot of people <laughs> collateral damage, <laughs> but yes. But Cassius, like, particularly. Yeah. Because you have to think about, what I always think about um, with Cassius is he's not, like, a victim or anything like that, but he's definitely victimized by by Darrow. By Darrow. Well, and by the society. And, just and exactly. And by know. the society as a whole. Um, so it's, like, Darrow's ascent plus his place in society ultimately, like, pulls him into this entire war this entire conspiracy this entire world through no fault of his own really i mean it's just because he was born into this family that happens to be enemies with augustus Augustus, and they went to the same the institute in the same year and it's just all this stuff Same planet yeah it's like (laughs) over and over and over again um you know think about how differently his life would have been had Darrow never even been carved into a gold i think the the foresight of cassius by pierce is really awesome because if you think about it cassius could really be his own protagonist in his own book series mm-hmm. with darrow as like the villain right you know like he pierce gives us these characters that we like but we like can't fully be with because <laughs> we're with Darrow. Yeah. 
So I, ju- I just think it's cool that like we could have a whole Cassius story during Darrow's story. Right. We said that uh, similar thing about Roke, and I totally get what you're saying. I think it's a great point um, because like Darrow is a monster to a lot of these people a lot of time, and you can easily see the story being flipped, and it's a story about <laughs> Cassius like fighting against this this crazed, enraged, uh, <laughs> like secret agent or whatever, you know? <laughs> what, what is Darrow? Darrow's not just a protagonist. He's also the antagonist. So he's a protagonist. What would that be? <laughs> I also like to, like I was saying, I like to think about like what Cassius would be like if he doesn't get pulled into this story. And um, he's probably just a really good knight. He's probably just like hanging out, probably doing pinks. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, he's probably getting like really pulled into the carnal pleasures of life. I would assume. And so, one thing about this story that is great is, yeah, it's it's tragic that he is pulled into this. But at the same time, once he gets pulled into this world, we get to see the man that he truly is. And that's kind of, I think, what Heather was speaking to a little bit as well is just him being faced with all these tragedies actually pulls out all these great traits in him. Like right, he's he d- much more complicated than he seems on the surface. On the surface, he doesn't just stick with the arrogant pixie crowd. Right. He's a he's a man that's you know ruled by honor and love for those he cares about, especially his family and anyone that he's close to. So he takes those like relationships very personally, very deeply, and he cares deeply about people that he is close to. I think that's just like a really admirable trait. Do we ever see that man if, you know, Daryl doesn't come along and pull him into this tornado? Probably not. Maybe just in the quiet moments. Right. He he changes throughout the story. He starts as this vain and arrogant person, but we get to see that he has a soft side. And then he becomes consumed by anger and revenge and guilt to a degree as well. Not protecting his brother. Right. Not protecting his brother, but also turning on someone that he was really good friends with in Darrow. And so all he wants to do is do right by his family. And he's forced by the rules of society to... Some of his family is a bitch, Julia. (laughs) (laughs) He wants to do right by his family and uphold their honor. And he's forced by society to act in like kind of terrible ways sometimes because of, of the way things are set up. He has to take revenge on Darrow. He has to declare a blood feud because that's what his his blood and the society is forcing upon him and it leads to just like a really incredible journey and a really incredible character arc for him over the story of these books and that that to me is what makes him so admirable is like for someone that basically is so godlike he's incredibly human at the same time and ultimately i think it's that humanity that makes me so appreciative of of him as a character. I think you also though like when he's being a badass fighter and shouting. Well, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, those are the parts that stand out for sure. But I think it's just all those little moments. Like he's in faced with impossible decision after impossible decision, and he stands up to each one of those decisions with courage and honor, and he tries to do the best that he can and make the best decision. And sometimes it means, like, he loses everything. And he's willing to do that, which is is pretty incredible. He's willing to put his life down for it, like he did uh, on the REM. His honor remains. Also, (laughs) 
Mustang dated him, so that to me is just like that means he's cool. <laughs> but she was like forced dating him, wasn't she? But she, I mean, I, she liked it. <laughs> you guys <laughs> talked about it. I mean, how could you not? <laughs> also, I think he was more controversial during the original trilogy. He he also had. Um, obviously the closer storyline with Darrow, right. which b- breeds controversy. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, but now in the, the second trilogy, I feel like that's all kind of fallen away. Now he's the the big brother to Lysander, the protector of the innocents, yeah. flying around, saving people. To and now uh, use a wrestling term, he's taking a baby face turn for sure. Oh, cool (laughs) (laughs) which means he's a good guy now oh now he's a good guy yeah and like fully a good guy and now um we can kind of just love him wholly and not kind of feel torn because he's fighting against darrow right it's much less complicated now for sure we can unabashedly love (laughs) cassius i'm sure he's still going to be his own man and make his own decisions but but now he's the hero because he saved daryl from certain death (laughs) yeah Oh, man, what a great part. What a great (laughs) part. (laughs) It's worth it going through Dark Age and just getting stabbed over and over by Pierce with everyone dying just for that, like, (laughs) glimmer of hope. It really is just a fantastic glimmer of hope at the end of that book. And just, like, you're waiting for it for so long. Especially when you know it's coming. (laughs) (laughs) Because you cheated. All right. Okay. So obviously, huge legacy, um, and it's still going. I think an all-time fan favorite character always will be probably. And depending on what happens in book six, I mean, it could just become hopefully a larger and better legacy than it already has become. I think it will. Yeah. Unless Pierce wants to cut him in four pieces, and <laughs> we've got no say in that. Oh man. Okay. Yeah. We'll talk about that in predictions. Cool. Speaking of predictions, let's move on to. Predictions of fan casting. Aaron, who are we fan casting for Cassius? Okay, well, obviously, I have a slew of beautiful <laughs> men that I could list, but I realized all, you know, being in my 30s, all of the men that I'm obsessed <laughs> with are probably too old yeah. at this point, especially to start as Cassius. We're talking like second trilogy Cassius for these guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'll say who I like, but they're, <laughs> they're going to be too old. So my main fa- fan cast would probably be someone that isn't famous yet Mm -hmm. and a young version like if we're actually casting the series right so obviously i have to go with the witcher (laughs) (laughs) henry cavill who i was in love with (laughs) way before the witcher like in the immortals and superman but My, my only question about henry is do you think he can pull off blonde in the witcher he's blonde well it's more like white but yeah <laughs> i guess Close he enough. Yeah. <laughs> also i don't want to spoil the witcher but there i won't say when it is there's this one scene where he he fights so fast mm-hmm. and i was just like oh my god that was my favorite thing i've ever watched yeah, so just him fighting like is like a dream just everything about henry cavill is <laughs> my perfect man <laughs> <laughs> so that's why i would pick like a younger version of him like to that. play like young Cassius. Yep. Okay, and then I have one more fan casting. He's also too old. 
Um, but Sam Claflin. This is a popular one. Yeah, it's popular. I I kind of think he's not pretty enough. Like he's not as pretty as. That's Henry. where I'm at with him as well. Like I, he's very cute and he has very cute moments, but there's also moments where he's kind of a little dorky. I think. Yeah. So I think he would be. He wouldn't be the. Pr- he'd be a great like Julian maybe because he's still pretty. His Hunger Games character kind of fits the Cassius vibe, and the I think like that's young why Cassius vibe. Yeah, I think that's why people p- pick him a lot. Which is fine. Like I totally get that. I I totally understand the casting. But yeah, I'm much more on the like. Let's but find a a younger version of Henry. Have you seen um Me Before You? No. Oh my God! Cry your fucking eyes <laughs> out. You should watch it. It's um, really good. And it's 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 um Amelia Clark's the the lead. Oh. But he's the like the love interest. Isn't he like paralyzed the whole time or something? We're on the story. <laughs> <laughs> Cry your eyes out. Anyways, let's just go with young Henry and yeah. I'll keep Henry for myself. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm okay with that. Okay. Let's move on to predictions. All right. So obviously Ben's prediction. We know my prediction. Is the sleepover with all the boys. That's your prediction. <laughs> <laughs> Mine is Ocean's Eleven heist. The, the pizza party. That's your prediction. (laughs) (laughs) I just can't remember anymore. Um, Okay, so let's talk about specifics. Do you think that Cassius will have to confront his bitch of a mom and, like, maybe even, like, get rid of her? I don't think he would ever be able to, like, kill his family. But Julia's insane. He is going to have to. I think he's going to run into Julia at some point, yeah. Do you think she'll, like, you know, she's gonna what's like she gonna do? unload on him, and it's going to be extremely What if she disowns him? him? Yeah, and he's going to have to take all of that, and it's going to look like maybe at one point Cassius is going to go with his mom, but he's like, no, I'm not going to steal do all your ships <laughs> like Antonia <laughs> and Victor. So I'll ask you the next question. What do you think happens when he and Lysander see each other again? I think he's going to spank Lysander for being a bad... <laughs> Get over here right now, young man. Over the knee. <laughs> for being a bad little brother. I think it all depends on what Lysander chooses to do. Because obviously Cassius has staked his flag in Darrow. <laughs> right. And so, like... Lysander knows, like, oh, shit, Cassius didn't go with me like I thought he would. So now I think that Cassius is either going to have to, like, fight Lysander or Lysander is going to be like, just kidding. Sorry, everybody. Actually, I'm on Cassius's team. Yeah. That's what I'm wondering is, like, do you think he's he's capable of talking Lysander off this ledge that he's on, I guess? Maybe he'll save his life again from Darrow and be like, I'll still keep him as a ward. I know <laughs> I lost track of him <laughs> that'd there. Be, that'd be good. For a little yeah, bit. I, I don't think I think Lysander is gone. I think the next time that they see each other, it's going to be very emotional and sad for them both. While they and s- then stab each other. They're going to you know, have that conversation and Lysander is going to see basically how far gone Cassius is and Cassius is going to see how far gone Lysander is and it's going to be super tough for them both. Pythas is going to show up and be like, 
You need another spanking. <laughs> what if like they capture Lysander and Cassius has one of those like sad outside the jail cell talks about how he can't save him because he he threw his lot in with the baddies. Yeah, that'd be nice. I like that. You know? Yeah. All right. The final question for our predictions here actually comes from one of our listeners. Who is it? Um, Instagram name is at Noreen. N-O-R-E-E-N. They ask, do you think Cassius will live to the end of book six? Yes. If so, will he find happiness and love, or will he be resigned to the life of an unsettled bachelor? I hope for a partner for him who loves him unconditionally. He's never really had that, not even from his mother. Praying Pierce introduces someone worthy of him in book six. Wow. Is it me? (laughs) 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 Only if it's Henry. (laughs) Um, I think that he will just be alone and not a sad boy. He'll be content with being on the right side of history. Right. That's kind of where I'm at. I think he does survive because I don't think Darrow is. And Cassius is going to kind of... You don't think Darrow survives? Is that the first time you said that out loud? No, I've said that before. How dare you? (laughs) I think Cassius will carry on his legacy in some capacity, but I don't think he's going to find any kind of love interest. He's not going to find happiness in that way. Cassius is like a character meant to kind of always be unhappy. I don't know. I feel like Darrow is kind of like meant to be unhappy, but he found Mustang... But he's not happy. Because <laughs> he's not with Mustang. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Gotta reunite That's a them. good point. What if Darrow does die and then Mustang and Cassius end up together? I would not like that. I don't know. I mean... He'd Mustang be a, had her chance, okay? He'd be a good stepdad. She had her chance. I would take him as a stepdad. <laughs> 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 Only if he's Henry. <laughs> Sorry, I'm letting my obsession show. All right, let's move on to the prime five. Our top five best character moments for Cassius Abalona. We actually have six this week. There's an honorable mention. Oh. Sorry. We probably have like 12, but (laughs) we'll stop at six. (laughs) So let's start off with Cassius um, covering Darrow with his cloak. This is our honorable mention. So this is when um, obviously Darrow's in the box and his... Little toenails are curled over and he's skinny and he's been banging his head on the floor trying to kill himself. The jackal brings him out and everyone's like disgusted. They like won't even look at him. And Cassius bravely shows compassion by covering him up and covering the wretch with his own Mm -hmm. shining white cloak. I mean, it really shows his character by doing that in front of all these bad guys. Right. It shows his like his his humanity in that moment. At this time, like he still believes Darrow basically murdered his entire family, including like children. But and he he he's like even then, right. no one deserves to live in a fucking table, right. Jackal. <laughs> yes, exactly, and not be treated with any kind of any sort of humanity or respect or anything like that. And so, um, I just I love that about Cassius. It like says so much about him. Like you said, it's just a great little moment that tells you so much about a character. He's so nice. (laughs) All right, let's uh, move on to our number five moment. Which one is this, Aaron? So it's at the beginning of the book. (laughs) It's very much like a Hunger Games moment. (laughs) 
<laughs> yes, it's the beginning of Red Rising. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's the race to the cornucopia. Wow. Cornucopia. Fantastic. With Darrow to get the food. Mm-hmm. And then they have to fight off the other house. I just read this the other day, and there's so many great little moments in this. Like, this actually takes place the night after the passage. Or the day after the passage. Right. And Darrow's like, oh, fuck. Does he know? Yeah. So, <laughs> like, Cassius has been crying all night because his brother got killed. And uh, this is, like, just one moment of levity. Like, he, like, smiles at Darrow and challenges to a race. And then they take off. And they're, like, laughing and having a great time. And Darrow even says at one moment, like, he can see that Cassius has forgotten that his brother has died. And that's just, like, heartbreaking. And then Terrible. he remembers. Uh, yeah, but then they're working together. They're fighting together. They're like flying around each other. And that's when they realize they make a great team. <laughs> right. Yeah. Th- and this is our thunder and lightning quote. Let's hear it. <laughs> well, I do believe that I am the lightning and you, my brooding friend, are the thunder. He <laughs> says brooding. What a callback. In Dark Age, that's awesome. (laughs) I think another great moment in this is like they know the trap is happening. They've kind of figured it out, but it hasn't been sprung yet. And so um, they're like talking loudly, like saying, what should we do with all this? But then they're like also whispering to each other. Like they both are on the same level. Right. And Cassius is like, should we run? And Daryl's like, pixie. (laughs) And then (laughs) Cassius like smiles and they're like, let's do this <laughs> <laughs> like, let's fucking kill him <laughs> yeah so then like they rush the series students in the grass it's just such a great uh moment and we also this is also when they say huzzah huzzah <laughs> you beast <laughs> did uh cassius call in to say huzzah <laughs> we don't have a huzzah moment that's okay I guess he's not the one saying it so that's why we don't have uh, it it's the House series. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she tells Cassius to come see him like once he's got a scar or something like that. Yeah. Because <laughs> he looks like Henry Cavill. <laughs> <laughs> so we go from that to a blood feud by the end of the book. Let's hear Cassius declare that blood feud. Ooh. This is a blood feud. If ever again we meet, you are mine or I am yours. If ever again we draw breath in the same room, one breath shall cease. Hear me now, you wretched worm. We are devils to one another till one rots in hell. He sounds very upset. That was good. I think good maybe, maybe he um, isn't very happy in this moment. Yeah, the I mean, the emotion from you are, you know, the thunder and I'm the lightning to you're a devil and... One of us is worms next time we see each other. I think he meant Darrow's worms. <laughs> <laughs> That's tough. It's tough. All right, let's move on to number four, prime five. Number four on the list is the whole sequence within the dragon's maw where Octavia is killed. It's Octavia's secret lair. Right. Aja is killed. It's it's like really like a Bond villain oh, lair. Yeah. yeah. You know, with mm-hmm. the big doors that... Screens everywhere. Yeah. I really <laughs> yeah. want to see it. Hollow projectors. I'm excited. We have the whole, she is our conqueror. <laughs> this is that whole part. She is our conqueror. 
Why? When did Lysander go wrong? He was so cute. <laughs> yeah, he was like, and he was like smart back then. He was like saving lives, and for some reason, not being a dick. <laughs> yeah, was totally like not completely uh, broken apart by seeing like his grandma and basically his aunt get murdered right in front of him. Like, I don't know what ten year old. That should have told us right there that there was something wrong with Lysander, that he could like emotionally handle that situation. Well, he was abused <laughs> by those people. <laughs> Maybe not Aja. All right. So let's talk about it. So Cassius is like a secret agent all of a sudden. Right. But he's like in his gym jams, jammies. Right. Um, so he's not ready to fight Aja, the best fucking fighter in the universe, aside from Lorne. Probably even better than Lorne at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and still, he is the catalyst that that tips the scales and allows for Darrow, Mustang, and Severo to come out of there without dying. <laughs> for sure, like you it's know. his whole surprise that you know allows them to pull this pull this off. They don't do this without Cassius. So before this even happens, keep in mind he has to cut Darrow's hand off. Ugh. To, like, prove his loyalty in front right. of the jackal. So even when he's on Darrow's side at this point, he has to <laughs> cut his his hand off. And then Darrow is, you know, basically crippled. They cut off his fighting hand. They certainly don't win without Cassius there or with Darrow's fighting hand. I mean, he still does a pretty good job. Right. And then we get to, the like, the seminal moment where Jackal is about to shoot Darrow with Severo's gun and it clicks or whatever it's not working and that's when Cassius reveals himself basically he just sends a yeah he sends a razor through one of the Praetorian's skulls that's good Mm -hmm. that's a good plan and then he kills three more guards while they're all like what Mm -hmm. (laughs) and she just says Bologna Bologna (laughs) like seriously dude I mean, what do you expect, Octavia? Obviously, everyone's going to betray you when you're a crotchety old hag who, like, betrays everyone else left and right, you know? What do you expect? Uh, And then, of course, after all of this occurs, he's the person that saves Lysander's life, which, I mean... Is that a prime moment or is that a not-prime moment? It's definitely an extremely honorable moment like it's not right, it's never honorable to chill a, kill a 10 year old child yeah I'm like do you think anyone would have done it well Severo. Severo for <laughs> sure <laughs> he was ready to do it i forgot he was there i feel like mustang and even darrow wouldn't have killed lysander especially not mustang who like spent a lot of time with him but he still steps up and says i'll take him he'll be my ward and now we have lysander i mean it was an admirable thing that he and like Lysander still almost follows in Cassius's footsteps it's just like the conditioning and the amount of time that he spent with Octavia was just too much plus seeing the rim gold right that's what I want to be yeah and he's got you've got to remember with Lysander he's obviously got a whole lot of his own legacy to deal with and Mm -hmm. just like being a loon which is just the family of all time basically so He's got a lot on his shoulders to deal with, and Cassius tried his best, but... I think he did a great job. Right. I want to play a rec- the recording we have of the oath that he 
and Lysander take. Like he's saved Lysander's life and he's decided to take him on as his ward. And then this is what Cassius decides to do with his life next. Gold forgot that it was intended to shepherd, not rule. I reject my life and honor that duty to protect the people. Will you join me? That's such an admirable thing. Like Yes. But we can also see there's kind of also seeds within that oath that lead to Lysander's turn, <laughs> you know, that gold has forgotten their way. And he kind of like adopts right. it, but not in the way we want him to. Right, right, right. Uh but Cassius, in order to make up for the mistakes of the past or try to find his way in the future, you know, his decision is to protect people and um, that's one of those things that just makes him such an admirable character. Okay, what's number three on the Prime Five? So this is probably one of the best moments, I don't know. It's like a reconciliation moment when um, the boys drink some whiskey together, <laughs> Darrow and Cassius, when they're they're in Darrow's quarters on the Morning Star. And, mm-hmm. and this is um, when they're watching old movies from the institute right. and like being like look how cool we were when we were brothers they actually like rewatch that cornucopia sequence that right. we were talking about yeah obviously then daryl leaves him with the truth yep um so that that whole scene is really a moment of healing um it's really something we all wanted to read because we like cassius and we we liked when they were more brothers and less blood feuding <laughs> <laughs> right this is my single favorite like non-action moment and like quiet moment in the entire series like i love this conversation between the two of them there's so much history so much like pain between them and sorrow and guilt and like both of them feel bad about what they've done to the other person and there's so much like they want to say to each other and they can't. There's like kind of a wall between them. But then in this moment, they're able to sit down and share some whiskey together and watch these old videos. And because they're watching these old times they spent together, that, that's able to like break their walls down. They can start discussing like all this shit that they, they have they talk between about each other. Broke. Right. You know, they talk about the old times. They talk about uh, Cassius like actually empathizes with Darrow about how tough it would be to be in his position and just like how tough it would be to not be able to tell anybody right and yeah and uh what a great guy (laughs) 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 and daryl does the same thing back to cassius and they kind of they have a new understanding of each other uh and uh, and definitely they understand each other in a way they didn't prior to the conversation and ultimately this is what leads to cassius's turn to help daryl out and infiltrate the Sovereign's bunker. The, I think the single greatest quote that just ties all of that together is this uh, quote that we have from... From Cassius. From Cassius, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wish it was easier to hate you. <laughs> okay, Nick, I think that was your okay, best work. Okay, Nick. <laughs> the first time I listened to this, I screamed out loud. That's how amazing it is. <laughs> so good. Wait, play it again. Play it again. <laughs> okay, we'll give you one more. <laughs> I wish it was easier to hate you. <laughs> I'm gonna like make that my ringtone. Is that possible? It's so spot on. I love it. It makes me laugh. <laughs> you can like feel the emotion of it too. I just uh, 
Nick, <laughs> you're killing it. <laughs> All right, yeah. One of the best moments in Morningstar for sure. And makes me think that I'm like underrating that book because of how good that moment is. It's a great book. Yeah. Okay, what's uh, number two on the list? Obviously, can't get away from the Prime Five without my honor remains. I mean, my honor remains. It's fucking epic. <laughs> it is like, what? It, what's a movie that it reminds you of? I mean... Oh, it's like, yeah, it's like a Braveheart moment, I would say. Like, it freedom. reminds me like, freedom. Yeah, it's yeah. like kind of that type it's situation. Just yeah. Amazing. <laughs> I hear I hear the music already, like, in the in the show. It's going to be, like, fucking symphonies. And, like, bloody. And amazing. Just, like, yelling at a room full of people. Gladiator. Just, like, staring. Yeah. <laughs> Are you not entertained? That's definitely. Gladiator is a good oh, call. Oh, man. I'm so excited. <laughs> So let's hear from Cassius about how his honor remains. I am Cassius Albalona, son of Tiberius, son of Julia, morning night, and my honor remains. That's pretty cool. <laughs> Hushed silence here at Hallerpod after that. His honor does remain. <laughs> Forever. And thankfully, <laughs> Diomedes didn't jump in there after he was <laughs> that's true after he was a little beat luckily up. his honor remains as well everyone's honor <laughs> remains except for dido <laughs> you know and a lot of other people all right what's our number one cassius moment brooding again <laughs> <laughs> obviously the hero of the entire series Cassius saving Darrow. <laughs> Just probably like one of the few, if not the only, like really bright spot in Dark Age. You're just like, Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Let's fucking go. Like, oh, okay, we are actually going to survive this fucking hellscape of a book. Well, I think Pierce wanted to sell book six so he couldn't kill every single character <laughs> before we got there. He certainly tried. He did his best. <laughs> he did good work. So let's go ahead with our final quote. Oh, God's brooding again. Some things never change. Cassius. Hello, Goodman. Kavik said that you might need a hand. <laughs> oh, God's. <laughs> I love that he's like teasing him about brooding in that moment. Because they're best <laughs> It's like childhood friends. <laughs> I love it. It's so great. It just makes my heart sing. It really does. Yep. What a fun Prime 5. Probably the funnest. <laughs> the funnest-est. Okay, let's move on from the Prime 5. That was great. To Prime or Pixie. <laughs> I wonder <laughs> if Cassius will survive the Hallerpod passage of in-depth scrutiny and judgment. Will he? I don't know. Let's I'm see. pretty nervous. Let's hear from some howlers first. Okay. Our first email is from Kelsey, and she says, I was so excited to hear that this week is finally Cassius' turn for the character study. Cassius is my favorite character by far, and I love that he is Ben's favorite too. Shout out, Kelsey. You have great taste in characters, clearly. She says, Cassius is clearly prime, and anyone who doesn't think so is a pixie themselves. Darrow himself describes Cassius as being honorable and even wonders if Cassius 
had been raised to red and he a gold if Cassius wouldn't end up the better man. Cassius is a character that tries to live up to his own ideals. It is shown throughout the books that the Olympic knight role is one of sacrifice. And Cassius took it on eagerly, but without losing his humanity. He gave Darrow the blanket and Morningstar, and he attempted to take care of or bury his men as they fled the Eaters and Morningstar. I know Cassius gets a lot of flack for being on the society's side until the end of Morningstar, but I think he truly thought he was doing the right thing until Darrow showed him the hollow of his family. Once he does switch sides, Cassius fights with Darrow, Mustang, and Severo until the end at great personal risk to himself. Once they succeed, he doesn't let Severo convince him to abandon his values, and he takes Lysander, for better or for worse, on as his word. If anyone wondered if Cassius was truly committed to the New Republic, despite not taking a role in its rise after offing Octavian Aja, he's willing to sacrifice himself for it in Iron Gold. He duels not just for the good of his honor, but to protect Lysander and the Republic from the rim. And of course, he does whatever it is he had to to save Darrow and Dark Age. Cassius arguably grows the most of any character in the entire series from a young man bent on glory and revenge to savior of the Republic. While some may not count him as prime at the end of Red Rising or even Golden Sun, it is clear by the end of Morningstar and throughout the second trilogy, he has achieved primeness. Predictions for the next book. I hope we see a lot more Cassius. He had a woefully small appearance in Dark Age. I could see Cassius working with Darrow in a variety of ways in book six, but I'm hoping to see him duel with Darrow again, the thunder and lightning together again. I could also see Cassius saving Severo somehow, payback for Severo, saving him from the mob and Morningstar. Whichever way Pierce uses Cassius, I'm sure it will be great. Ah, Oh, is that the howl? That, that was her. I mean, Kelsey just doesn't have a great voice, I guess. Oh, that was a low howl <laughs> from Kelsey. That was a great email, Kelsey. I like that a lot. I love the idea of Cassius saving Severo, kind of like Severo saved him from the mob. What do we do with murderers? That was fantastic. Amazing. Yeah. Love it. And obviously, prime, primeness. Um, who's next on the emails? Daniel is up next. All right, Daniel, what you got? So Daniel says, uh, no one is going to say Cassius is a pixie, and he honestly likes him more than Darrow, and Darrow as of late has been on his shit list because of the storm gods. Oh, I mean, that's fair. You know? Genocide's not great. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Daniel says, uh, throughout Cassius' story, I would say Cassius has changed as much as Darrow. A princeling of a gold, he rose so high he could be one of the 13 Olympic knights. But with each book, he knows how terrible the system is. Um, and then it's not until Darrow shows him that Octavia let the jackal kill basically the whole family. That's when, obviously, he turns and turns the tide. Mm-hmm. Um, Daniel wonders what his mother thinks about him. I was also wondering this. She's obviously a gold elitist bitch. Yes. But her whole <laughs> family was wiped out. So... I mean, you saw her after Julian died, how much of a wreck she was. Right. So, obviously, Daniel has a point. Her whole family was wiped out. She's going to be even crazier. Oh, for sure. All her children. Yeah, she's like, wants to eat hearts. She wants to eat hearts. If and I'm, I'm sure. remembering correctly. Um, Daniel says, does, does she understand Cassius's heart or even still consider him family? Because if it weren't for Cassius, the rising um, would have been stomped out. 
So does she blame Cassius for the mess? Probably. Because well, <laughs> <laughs> she's a terrible uh, mother and I'm probably thinking She's probably going to eat his heart. <laughs> she does. And then for the fan casting, Daniel says, the actor that plays Cassius needs to be able to show that prideful little shit that he was, but become the man that we know and love. So that's he's just whoever that is. Yeah. That's who it needs to be. <laughs> <laughs> Prediction time. So he does Daniel doesn't think Cassius is going to survive the books. Oh wow. He thinks he'll die along with Darrow or along with Lysander. Like mm. a double main character death yeah. situation. Yeah. He's thinking maybe Thunder and Lightning, Darrow and Cassius, will ride together possibly with Diomedes against Ajax. And he thinks maybe that's when Cassius won't make it out. There'll be a tearful exchange, obviously, with Darrow. Oh, man. I'm already crying. But he has a lot of death possibilities. So <laughs> hopefully, no, like, Pierce doesn't listen to this and get any ideas. <laughs> Daniel. <laughs> Daniel also says Cassius could be in search of Lysander because although they're enemies... They have history, and the fight's going to be very Obi-Wan and Anakin. Mm. Ben. Yeah. Does, do you confirm? You are my brother! Okay. <laughs> 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 I mean, I've seen the movies. <laughs> I just don't. Um, and obviously, it'll be from Lysander's point of view, so we can see and feel how lost he'll feel when Cassius dies. I like that a lot. I don't like it at all. No, I mean, I, mean I just think it's a, it's a good idea, but yeah, it's, it's well a horrible idea. It's well read. He's saying that Lysander needs this death, Cassius's death, for a final push because he's always thought with his head instead of his heart, and he's kind of torn still. And he thinks that Lysander's spirit fully breaking when he actually like kills Cassius, maybe, and not just him dying in the background. Mm -hmm. It'll have Lysander. Rise? He put rise in all caps. <laughs> <laughs> rise from his brother's corpse and bring peace to the system. Maybe peace with slavery. That was me. Okay. So That's interesting. I like that. Daniel um, had a lot of really good ideas for how Cassius could die. <laughs> I do like the idea. I mean, I don't like the idea, but I think it's um, a good thought that Cassius' death could inspire something in Lysander, inspire him to rethink his path. Maybe. We'll yeah. see. Our next email is from Finn. He says, I've been a longtime fan of the podcast. First time emailing in from England. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we got Nick and Finn up in here <laughs> from England. I thought you were definitely going to do your Cockney accent. <laughs> it's from a movie. <laughs> okay. I'm quoting a movie. You came in with like a, a totally different accent <laughs> that I expected. <laughs> Yo, we like the British people over here. <laughs> that was even a third different <laughs> accent. <laughs> okay, he says, these are my five main reasons why Cassius is a fucking prime lad. So his number one reason was he's an absolute fucking beast with his razor, and his only dual loss is to the main protagonist of the story. Reason number two, he said he cuckolds our main man, Darrow, and cuckolds. then rubs it in his face. He he's also him. an absolute killer with the ladies number three reason he's always loyal to his family and who can fault him for that number four his thick and lustrous hair i would just like to add also into that the cleft chin i mean the, the booty chin yeah 
And then number five, he has the most badass moment in the entire series when he bitch slaps three consecutive Raws in a row. His honor remains. Oh, shit. His name is Finbar. Ah, Howler, he says. And then he says, I think Sam Claflin from the Hunger Games would play a perfect Cassius. Thank great. you, Finn. That was great. Finbar, ah, Howler. We've got a couple voicemails for you. Our first one looks like it's from Leo. Hello, Howlers. This is Leo coming from Kentucky. Uh, I just wanted to first start off by saying, Ben, Aaron, I'm a huge fan of y'all's work. I've been listening to you guys for roughly about a month and a half, but I have really enjoyed diving into your podcast, all your character studies, all your reviews and critiques on good old Pierce Brown's Death Notes. I guess you can call it that, because lately, we all know how we feel. Anyhow, wanted to also thank Heather, if you're listening to this. Your research is amazing. I'm a huge history buff, and I really have enjoyed you diving into and making all those different connections to how this book ties into all the many characters. All that to say, I wanted to finally... Stop being on the sidelines and be able to talk a little bit more of one of my personal favorite characters, Cassius. Where do I even start? By the way, giving you guys a heads up, if you guys happen to hear any barks or howls, that would be for my howlers. I got three pups here with me. So if you guys hear them, that's them. Please excuse them. One of them really enjoys talking and really loves howling. Anyhow, Cassius, I think one of the best ways that I can describe him and his character arc is with that of Jamie Lannister from the Game of Thrones theory series. When we first get to know him, he is just what you would consider a perfect gold, a pixie. And yet, as his character develops, you grow from hating him to really loving him and just so happy to finally see him come back, come and save the day, and come and save Dev Darrow's behind. But anyhow, one of the things that I really enjoy about his character is, yes, his arc, but the pain that you can imagine that he has gone through. One thing that I, reminded, that I was reminded of while listening to the podcast and then going over my own copies was all the pain that he had to endure. And if we were to put him, put ourselves in his shoes, you know, he had at one point, which I had forgotten about, was betrayed by his friend because he killed his brother. But then later on, find out that the woman that you are in love with is still in love with your ex-best friend and now kind of sort of nemesis. Ah, just all the pain that he had to go through but then he comes around, decides to fight on Darrow's side, decides to meet up with the goblin and just fight at his side and just pulls through the entire time. And then we have, obviously, what he has to go with with Lysander. But we all know where that ends up. Anyhow, just such great character development. So much, so, so deep for someone who can be appear to be so shallow. But anyhow... That's all for me. Really appreciate you guys. Uh, I really look forward to hearing more of all these character developments. Uh, can't wait to hear 
what Pierce decides to do on the next book. Anyways, Howler out. Y'all have a great time. Please wear your mask. Howler out. Thank you. Great advice, Leo. Um, great advice. Wear your fucking mask, <laughs> you fucking weirdos. Also, I love the whole point about him being Jamie Lannister. I think that's an excellent comparison. Because it's like a character you love, but he's kind of a bad guy at the beginning. Right. And at the end, well, really. <laughs> absolutely hate him at the beginning of but those like, books. He's charming. Oh, I, I don't. I think if you go back oh, to I didn't original Game of Thrones, Sorry. even in, think about TV series. Well, I read a few of the books. <laughs> he's like the villain of the first se- season. Right, right. But he's still charming. He is, but barely. I mean, it's he's having sex with his sister and threw a child out a window. And You know, I don't I don't know. He also, though, lost his hand and Darrow is the one who lost his hand. So maybe. <laughs> oh, but Cassius lost his arm. So, okay, he can be Jamie. <laughs> no, I love that comparison. Actually, Jamie Lannister is probably my favorite I said Jamie character. Jamie Lysander. Uh, <laughs> I'm getting really confused. <laughs> He's probably my favorite character in like literally all of fiction. I I love that really? character. Oh, for sure. So that probably tells you something about me. I love these types of characters. A, you're not a Jon Snow <laughs> train. No, I I love Jon Snow too. I was just like Jamie is my favorite character in that series for sure. Great point, Leo. I love that comparison to the transition of a character you hate so much, but because you get to know them more and more and then you see more of their actual actions and their actual heart that you can begin to empathize with them and understand the decisions that they make and why they do the things that they did. And then you can come to uh, love that character. And I think Cassius has a similar turn, which is a great comparison. And I agree with you. Cassius has been through a ton like so much heartache and so much pain and he's like like i was saying i think earlier in the podcast he's just faced with tough decision after tough decision after tough decision and he handles each one with courage and um, tries to do the honorable thing in all those situations i think that's why we've grown to love him so much as a character thank you leo for calling in that was a great call let's go to our last voicemail let's do it Hey, Ben and Aaron, this is Philip from the Hail Reaper podcast. You, you guys are awesome, and I love you, and you're amazing. And I just want to say this. Uh, Cassius Albalona died in Iron Bowl. And I believe that Daryl actually is dead. He died on the Mound of Votum in Book 5, Dark Age. We know from past books and past lore that uh, in order to go to the Vale, there's an old man that has to shepherd you there. I believe that Darrow is so delirious because he's got Lysander's razor sticking through him at the moment he dies that he mistakes the old man for Cassius because Cassius is the person that he loves most in this universe and in this world. And they're now going off to be together forever in the Vale and live in harmony and peace. And I believe that also Cassius and Darrow are the best couple this story has given us. And let's keep it that way. Hail Reaper. Hey, Philip, what happens when <laughs> fucking Lysander sees Cassius <laughs> flying away? <laughs> He's also hallucinating. This is when, this is. I like that theory, though. That's so fun. <laughs> <laughs> this is the whole, um, what's that show? 
with the island when it's like, oh, it was all a dream, or oh, they were all dead. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Lost. <Yeah>. Lost. <laughs> oh, sorry. Spoilers. <laughs> I think I don't think you can spoil a ten-year-old show. You're all right. What up, Philip? Thanks for calling in. <laughs> yes, thank you, Philip. I actually um, just went on the Hail Reaper podcast last week to talk about Cassius. So I think their episode is coming out uh, after ours, a week or two after ours. So give it a um, listen. Definitely check that out. Those guys are awesome. If you haven't listened to Hail Reaper Pod yet, um, go check them out. Also, if you haven't gotten enough Ben yet. You get get more Ben on that episode. Now with more Ben. <laughs> <laughs> can, can I have a coffee with no Ben, please? No, those guys are doing great work. And I mean, who doesn't need more Red Rising content in their life? I feel um, like this is a great opportunity to get a little sentimental and right. say that the whole reason howler pod is a thing is because ben and i both love podcasts mm-hmm. in general and ben is a creator and he he's made um like a newsletter and he always wanted to make a podcast and of course i'm a yes man <laughs> so ben was like hey there's no podcast for us let's just fucking make a podcast so we like googled how to make a podcast anyways um, the reason we started is because there wasn't one, and now there's two. I know, I it's mean, incredible. I love, I love where this is going. I feel like we're <laughs> uh, in a snowball effect, and now we're going to have like <laughs> all the Red Rising content that you could ever want. I'm all for all the Red Rising content we can create, and they are definitely doing uh, a different angle than like what we're doing. They're much more focused on the first book. Uh, super interesting conversations. There's a little more scholarly than us, probably. You mean they're not crazy? <laughs> they probably don't get wasted every episode. Also, their uh, production's really cool oh with the, the sound bites. And if if you follow them on Instagram, you'll see some really cool, like fake or sorry, real yeah. <laughs> news stories that with like a newscaster's voice. Like yeah. she's like a real newscaster. So check it out. It's super fucking cool. Yes, Philip and Jeremy over at Hell Reaper. Shout out to those guys. They're awesome. What's up next? It's time to make the case for Cassius. Wait, did Philip say Primer Pixie? He didn't. He, he just, just said everyone's dead. He just said Darrow's actually dead and Cassius is actually dead and it's all a dream. He didn't say that. He just said we're seeing the veil. <laughs> it's not a dream. It's heaven. Yeah, well, it's like a dead man's dream. Okay, so Primer Pixie, Ben, I wonder what you'll say. The case for, I'll make the case right now. You ready? Get Sit down. This is going to be a long one. Okay, I'm already ready? sitting. It's the dimpled chin. That's it. That's the case. You like his chin. Case closed. The defense rests. Okay, prosecution stands <laughs> that he's also prime. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, obviously we had our ups and downs with Cassius. In Red Rising, he might have been called Pixie. I mean, he did kill Ares, beheaded him. He also stabbed Darrow and left him for dead. Not cool, bro. Not cool. Right. But, you know, he also saved Darrow. It wasn't a dream. <laughs> it was real. <laughs> and so, therefore, he is prime. He is prime. I just needed to make sure I said it as well. He's prime. He is our conqueror. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You know what it's time for? What are we into this week? Aaron, what are you into? Okay, 
I just started this show, but it's on Apple TV. It's called The Morning Show. Um, it, we have Jennifer Aniston, Reese Witherspoon, and Steve Carell. And, I mean, those women are so pretty. Like, I don't even know what's going on in the story. I'm just drooling over how pretty they are. <laughs> just kidding. And they they're all, like, 50. They look amazing. <laughs> they look way better than me, and I'm way younger. Um, but it's it's dramatic, and they're they're both giving just killer performances. I mean, it's a very, very dramatic show. I won't give it away, but basically it's an inside look at the modern workplace through the lens of people who help America wake up. That's because they're the newscasters. The morning show. I love Reese Witherspoon. I think I've stated that on the podcast. I love her too, man. And she goes back to her kind of country voice that she used in Sweet Home Alabama. Also, we see for maybe the first time, Steve Carell as a bad guy. America's dad. Oh, really? He's a bad guy on it. It's complicated. Huh. But it's complicated. Okay, the morning show. Ben, what are you into? I'm into a couple things. Of course you are. Sorry, there's two things this week. Cassie has his chin. <laughs> always. That's just always. That's oh, a, okay. That's a baseline. Always into that. Okay. Other than that, <laughs> <laughs> I'm into a couple things. One is on HBO Max. It's a documentary called Class Action Park. And it's about this, like, 80s New Jersey water park where there's just like all these crazy rides being built and people were just going there and getting hurt all the time and like dying. Oh no, and did they just, show that? And shit? they just kept like it's not it's a it's a documentary. So okay. it's not a drama. It's a documentary but about a real park. Do they show videos of people dying? No, they don't show videos of people Oof, dying. I hate that shit. They do show people like doing the rides and stuff. And so it's about this guy, it's kind of this like Wall Street guy decided to buy a ski resort in New Jersey. He ended up turning it into a water park called Action Park. And then he just built all these like ridiculous rides that that aren't safe. That are were not safe. Engineers didn't have anything to do with them. It was like the Sounds whole place like was ran by teenagers. They would get sued all the time and never pay anybody. So I want our New Jersey howlers to tell me about Action Park and whether they know anybody that's gone to it and well it closed in 1996 so we'd have to find our older howlers right well, i was just wondering if they're like maybe their parents went or something like that Ooh, i want to watch it because you remember i worked at worlds of fun right it reminds me of going to this water park uh when i was a kid called fantasy because there's all these crazy because rides ah, there yeah, there's all these crazy <laughs> rides there and i was like too scared to ride half of them because they all look like you were gonna die and they're like similar type rides to and you have a healthy action bar fear response <laughs> to <laughs> impending death yeah uh and then the second thing that i'm into i've already been into this but i just wanted to mention that it's back it's called the boys me and pierce were both into this when we interviewed each I've other i've been watching when season two him. by the way you did yeah, yeah. Nice. season two is up I, they're only releasing three episodes at a time which is yeah. Bullshit. I've only seen two so far, so don't give anything away. No, I won't. Uh, but great show. It's like a twist on the whole superhero uh, thing. And it's an Amazon Prime original, and it's fucking great. I love it. And it's super gory. Man, I forgot how violent that, that <laughs> it is. <laughs> they remind you <laughs> yeah, pretty quickly. Very quickly. All right. So we've got The Morning Show, Class Action Park, and The Boys Season 2. Mm-hmm. Aaron. What's coming up next on HowlerPod? 
Next are the Brothers Valley Eye Wrath. Is it all three of them? We're going to mostly spend our time talking about Apollonius and Tactus. Because there's not much going on with Tharsis, but we'll talk about him a little we'll bit. We'll have Tactus, you know, write in with his own violin <laughs> concerto. <laughs> and then Apple will come in with his and it'll be like way better. And then right. Tactus will be really sad. And then one housekeeping note on this episode. We are going to take one week off. So... We're at, we've reached the halfway point of our character study season. Lucky number 11. Wow. That means we have 11 more episodes for you guys. Wow. Wow. But we're going to take one week off because we've got some stuff going on. And then we'll be back in two weeks with the Brothers Valley Wrath and then the rest of the season. I'm excited because do you know who's sexier than Cassius? Apollonius? Yeah. Wow. That's fucking... Woo! I like bad guys. (laughs) 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 All right. So one week break and then Brothers Valley Eye Wrath. Let's get naked with Apple. (laughs) All right. Don't forget to follow us, Howlers, on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Etsy, at HowlerPod. Email us, HowlerPod at gmail.com. Leave a voicemail, 1-800-516-1540. Uh, talk to us about the brothers. Find links to all this at HowlerPod.com. Tell a friend about the podcast and spread the word about the books and about Pierce Brown and his little dog, EO2. Rate and review us five stars only. If you don't give us five stars only, if you don't give us five stars only, then Ben and I will be the thunder and the lightning. Wow. And we'll come get you. <laughs> and we won't take you as prisoners. We'll fucking kill you. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be spinning around each other. Aaron will block and I'll duck under and then hit you in the stomach or something. <laughs> I don't know. We're, we're doing action moves <laughs> over here and they're very convincing. <laughs> That's going to be good. <laughs> and thank you very much, Nick Brinlow, our friend from England, who played Cassius for us on this episode. Uh, we didn't want my... Voice to ruin <laughs> Cassius's beautiful <laughs> accent. Um, and I feel like we, you know, you're right up there with TGR. You did a great job. He was amazing. Thank you, Nick. And thank you, Heather, our wise and wonderful researcher, for all her hard work researching the characters and their historical connections. And thank you to Miles for the amazing episode art. And ooh, daddy, wait till you <laughs> see Cassius. We got another good one this week. Make sure you're checking that out on Instagram at HowlerPod. Thanks, Howlers. Omnis for lupus. Ow! Ow!